Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monica Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Have you ever been called obsessed, rebellious, or even hot-blooded? Meet our guest, Sonny Bonnell, co-author of Rare Breed, a guide to success for the defiant, dangerous, and different. Witnessing an alarming lack of acceptance for unique people and crazy ideas that don't fit the mold, Sonny co-authored Rare Breed as a manifesto for tearing up the rule book and succeeding on your own terms. In addition to Rare Breed, Sonny Bonnell and co-author Ashley Hansberger are also creators of Rare Breed, the popular YouTube series, and founders of the game-changing leadership and brand consultancy motto. Named Inc. 30 Under 30, GDUSA Top 25 People to Watch, Sunny and Ashley have been featured by Entrepreneur, Yahoo, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, and Breakfast Club, and hundreds more. They've earned their way to the front of a workplace revolution and have devoted their work to inspiring people to think with a rare breed mindset and demand more of themselves, their careers, and their companies. In this episode, Sunny shares the vices for mavericks, oddballs, and visionaries, and how there are two sides to each vice. She also shares highlights from her book, advice on shattering the glass ceiling, and why she lives by the mantra, learn to succeed because of who you are, not despite who you are. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Sunny. Hey, Sunny. So great to have you. Welcome to the Beyond Bears podcast. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited about this conversation because you are a rare breed and a pioneer. <laughs> and um, I'm excited for our audience to learn from you about, you know, being that uh, outlier, but that's you know, exactly what sets you apart. So let's dive right in and um, share with us sort of your formation story, if you will. Yeah. So my my co-founder and partner, Ashley, and I uh, met in a snowball fight in our early teens in Chicago. And uh, we we basically grew up together and in our early 20s, uh, went to college together and ended up dropping out just shy of our degrees to start a branding agency called Motto uh, with no money. <laughs> so, so right off, right out of the gates, right? We're doing something pretty audacious. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we started in a really small town and a small coastal town and everyone told us that we would fail. We were young women who had never worked for another agency before. And we had this sort of audacious vision that we looked around and didn't like what we saw in the advertising world and thought that we could perhaps um, either change or influence the conversation. And so that was more than uh, 15 years ago. And we've now since grown our agency motto into a uh, one of the top branding agencies in the country. We have a reputation for pushing boundaries, uh, you know, um, breaking rules, and really just activating positive change within uh, organizations. Um, we're probably most known for 
our unconventional approach to branding because we never had any kind of other blueprint or any other agency to follow. So everything that we created was essentially our own methodologies, our own thinking. And we are, we kind of think of ourselves as more of like an anti-branding branding agency uh, where, and it, where we sort of focus on um, not just brand, but leadership, uh, uh, culture and brand and the trifecta of those three points coming together. Mm-hmm. And we're also, um, which you, you know, I'm sure, sure we'll get into here in a minute is we're also co-authors of a, a new business book called Rare Breed, A Guide to Success for the Defiant, Dangerous and Different. And that book was uh, really built around a thesis of what if you could take the parts of yourself that other people criticize, hence kind of a, a shout back to our early days of getting started. What if you could take the parts of yourself that um, other people criticize, traits that they call defiant, dangerous, and different? And what if you could reframe those same traits as your virtues mm. and things to be leveraged in your career life and work. And, you know, our, our work as both female founders of, of a company that is notoriously male-dominated. So we are 0.1% of all agencies owned by women in the first place. So a little bit of a rare breed there to begin with. Um, but our entire journey, you know, we've been hired for the same reasons that we've been fired. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, to, to, to come out 15 years later and kind of write a book about what it means to be unordinary among the kind, what it means to carve out your own identity uh, in a world that's trying to stop you is really the heart and the thesis of Rare Breed specifically. And, and now what our work has really become focused on. I love the through line of audacity and belief in yourself that comes through. Um, yeah. I want to go back to the formation stage. And one of the things that is so striking that in an industry that is not only male dominated, but very entrenched in traditional definitions of success or subject matter expertise, you know, as a discipline, branding as a discipline uh, is so revered. Um what gave you the confidence and the belief to say, okay, look, we didn't go to school to study this. We haven't worked anywhere doing this, uh, but sure, with no money, no capital in hand, let's just launch a brand agency and go for it. Uh, what was the what was crazy the fools real attraction we were? To that? <laughs> yeah, uh, you mean the attraction of, of like why we wanted to build to do a brand it. agency? Well, I think back then. Uh, Branding was not a common way to describe your company. Mm. So the the when we started, it was most of the established players in our again in our sort of local town was established ad agencies ran by the old guard, mm-hmm. and we believe that in this sort of community of balloons, we were sharp knives, <laughs> and we knew that we could. We looked around and we saw work that we felt was just truly vanilla and homogenized. And we thought, surely there's a better way. Mm-hmm. And I think that our pure curiosity around not only what made a company, but more importantly, who led the company was what actually interested us. Because mm-hmm. we knew that we had this sort of a, a suspicion that, that these companies we were coming at it from a place of just, like I said, curiosity, where we're like, why do you do what you do? You know, what, what is the real, what are you trying to build here? And I think by asking those questions and, and sort of identifying like, what is the purpose? 
-hmm. It allowed us to begin to have unique conversations around how the leader of the company and the mindset of the company actually affects culture and brand. And that there was a real sort of through line between those three verticals, essentially within the company that we needed to somehow bring together in order for the company to be authentic. Mm. And what we learned by working with, you know, at this point, very early in our career, we landed um, some pretty established businesses that were just in- intrigued, I think, by us just to start. And then I think we were so candid and so honest that we didn't really understand that there were rules. So we were going in and asking, you know, sort of sitting across from people who were three and four times our age and asking very, very uh, philosophical questions and perhaps questions that they'd never been asked. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that set the kind of tone for why we even named the company motto. A motto is a war cry. It's the reason that you get out and go fight for your idea, career, life, work, business, mm-hmm. brand. And that is why we named it because we said, well, certainly if you're going to spend your whole life building something, there should be a reason behind it. So motto was formed around purpose. And then rare breed is really a conversation about identity and you can't have one without the other. Right. So that's kind of the, the, the formation story, if you will, of how we got from point A to point B. Yeah. That's a really powerful framing of purpose and identity because that's what it takes to change anything in the world uh, and really turn something that is a business into a movement that employees, team members, customers all opt into. So what were some of the pivotal things that gave you the big break? Well, we had uh, so a couple things, and I think it's really important to bring back to even how Rare Breed originated. So we were probably, we started in 2005. We struggled for the first several years. You know, we could not pay our rent, we could not pay ourselves. Um, we were often, you know, the, the same story that a lot of people have where, you know, we're sleeping at our office, you know, doing, doing all the crazy things that you do when you're, when you're really young and you have nothing to lose. Uh, and, you know, we were, we were really finding it hard, even though people were attracted to our thinking, it was very hard to earn the business because we were also seen as a risk. Yeah. So, you know, that first couple of years of business was really hard. And in 2007, we kind of hit a pivotal point where we were thinking about quitting. And we had a conversation with my dad, also an entrepreneur who had started his company with like $150. We started Motto with $250. So very similar stories of self-made success. And he said, well, you two are a rare breed. Not everybody's going to get you. And some people are, in fact, maybe even going to hate you or try to sabotage you. And what you have to learn is that you have to succeed because of who you are, not despite who you are. Mm. And that, that conversation was extremely pivotal because mm. we tucked that phrase away for years. We didn't write uh, Rare Breed until 2018 and launched it in 2019. So more than a decade went by that we had held on to that phrase and then tried to prove that thesis out. But one of the, that was a very pivotal moment. And then there was another pivotal moment where right after he gave us that phrase, we applied to a uh, women's competition where women from all over the country came to a, um, uh, a, they, were, they were called 
count me in for women's economic independence. And the package was if you you came down, you pitched your business to a panel full of very established women who had all achieved extreme success. You know, they were the Floyd Mayweathers of, Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship. And you got up and you pitched your business. And at the end of that, if you were to win, you got an entire small business startup package, essentially like a, um, a line of credit from American Express, like a Cisco IT package, you know, mentorship, press. And what's really funny about that story, and we tell this story in the book, I won't go into great detail, but in a nutshell, we get up at the practice round, we blank, we forget what we do, who we are, what our business is, we freeze, we run off stage, and the next day they're like, they've left, like we're going to go home. You know, we, we, we made a fool of ourselves. We end up uh, staying up all night and write, rewriting the pitch on napkins and then get up the next day and come back and end up winning it. And, <laughs> the, but the day before the judges had really torn us apart, you know, they were like, you don't know your business. You don't know your numbers. You shouldn't be here. You're not in your league. And I think at that moment, it was one of those moments where you either walk away and regret that for the rest of your life, or you come back and you show up Mm. and you say, that doesn't define me. Uh, And so that was a really, really pivotal moment for us because it sort of set us off into being somebody to contend with. And I think that was the shot in the arm that we needed at the right time, but also the conversation with my dad was extremely pivotal. So those two things I think were, were really important to us kind of not quitting right. and not giving up. It, it, it reminds you of the line from your book uh, where you quoted someone about how you come through the fire uh, is, you know, really shapes who you are and those yeah. moments that truly define uh, your self-discovery, but also how you show up in the world. And- oh, yeah. What matters most is how well you walk through the fire. Right. Exactly. That's powerful. Um, So uh, all of that, you know, success and learnings and setbacks um, codified the definition of rare breed and really owning that. Um, To me, that's such a powerful framing because it literally takes the very thing that, you know, the outlier gets criticized for, judged for. Mm -hmm. And if you're not careful, it also can completely damage your sense of self in that. But by calling it rare breed, it sets it apart. So um, walk us through the thinking uh, and the highlights of what you share in the book. Yeah. Oh, I touched on it a little bit earlier, which is, um, you know, what if you could take the parts of yourself that other people criticize? So in the book, we uh, identify seven so-called vices. And these vices are rebellious, audacious, obsessed, hot-blooded, weird, hypnotic, and emotional. Society often deems these vices as cautionary tales, right? These, are, these traits are counterintuitive to your success. And this conditioning happens from the moment that we're born. Like We come into this world being conditioned to fall in line, keep our heads down, you know, not create a ruckus. We essentially are told to be made invisible. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to quiet these traits. And this happens from our parents, our friends, our mentors, our teachers, people who want the best for us, who see these rogue qualities and begin to get nervous about who we might become in the world, or perhaps uh, 
what we'll have to fight through in order to be accepted or normal. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to sort of flip the script on that because we've read thousands of leadership books that say, uh, in order to climb the ladder, in order to succeed, you have to change who you are. And we didn't buy that. And our life had not been that kind of blueprint. Mm-hmm. If anything, we had torn up the rule book and been able to succeed. Mm-hmm. Sure, you take a few black eyes along the way, but ultimately you're wrestling a vision forward that a lot of people don't understand. And so the point of the book is to really help more rare breeds be seen and heard and also um, to send the message that being defiant, dangerous, and different is a gift. Mm. You know, as I said, you know what my dad said, succeed because of who you are, not despite who you are. And you have to also think about that business really prides itself on unique perspectives and innovative ideas but most of them get shut down. You know, the danger in stripping away these idiosyncrasies that other people have is that we also end up smothering um, that rebellious visionary fire that actually leads to great breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And that is what our career had been met with. You know, we had sat down from so many leaders and teams and organizations who wanted the rare breed, but they didn't know what to do with them. And then more importantly, uh, they didn't understand the rare breed or even how to work alongside of them. So we experienced that in our own career. And so why wouldn't we write a book about it to try to describe what it means to have these traits, but also more importantly, what to do with them and and also how to, what, to, what to watch out for? Because each one of these seven traits there's their vices for a reason, a reason they're, they're as perilous as they are powerful. They're as perilous as they are uplifting. Mm-hmm. And so there is a light and a dark side to each one of them. And we go into great detail about what that looks like when you lean one way or the other and how that either opens doors for you or that closes doors for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had very much been so for, for our, for our own career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think the difference between a rare breed and everyone else is that while everyone else is sort of suppressing their pain and the ass qualities, rare breeds are really leaning into them. Mm-hmm. They're really letting them off the leash to vandalize that tradition. So, uh, you know, that that's really the, the kind of the core purpose of the book was to make more people be seen. Mm-hmm. And that is such a huge need at a time where, um, you know, even uh, inspired by, I mean, because of the pandemic, what has happened in the workplace with more and more um, people questioning, you know, meaning and mm-hmm. uh, reason for what you're doing and finding new ways to do what they're doing, um, leaning into who you are and what makes you different and being seen and embraced for it is an incredible, powerful way, which most entrepreneurs already live that way. And that's what makes them successful, but it's not very common in the workplace. So, you know, thinking about women in the workplace specifically, Mm -hmm. could you illustrate for us, you know, the light and the dark, the two sides of um, the vices and the values, if you will? Yeah. So, so, you know, the, the, the light and the dark side of these traits are all very murky. Mm -hmm. If you think about some of the most influential rare breeds of our time, they've also been some of the most manipulative or perhaps the most evil, right? And yet they're still so charismatic that they're able to 
have people follow them into the fire. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about in the book. What we're talking about in the book are rebellious thinkers, obsessed um, or audacious dreamers, you know, uh, hypnotic sort of charismatic spellbinders, you know, for all the right reasons. Uh, we're often told, oh, you're so, you're so emotional. And we say that in a way that's extremely negative. We're, we're already assuming that because this person is emotional, they, there's something negative about that. Mm-hmm. And what we have tried to do in the book, and I think especially with some of the things that we're doing now around workshopping and training, corporate training, um, helping uh, leaders and teams adopt a rare breed mindset and really deploy that across their team and also celebrate the rare breeds within the organization. What you're finding is that these traits are actually superpowers and you can supercharge your team if you know how to tap into them and, and, and leverage them. So, you know, again, you first have to understand who the rare breed is. You know, leaders traditionally are, they're supposed to possess like conventional leadership traits, right? Steady, decisive, consistent, calculated, diplomatic, logical. We know these qualities are important. But rare, but rare breeds are like they think and act and communicate with an entirely different set of mindsets. And also they operate on a different frequency. They're going to tear conventional wisdom apart and they're also going to eat the status quo for breakfast. They're already on your payroll and they possess those hard to manage qualities. Again, we call them vices, we call them virtues, not vices, but they fuel those breakthroughs and they redefine industries. You know, they have that neurotic obsession. Uh, attention to detail. They have an angry intolerance for injustice. They have an absurd, outrageous sense of whimsy. You know, they're, they're kind of this rebel, gleeful attempt for what doesn't work. And those qualities are what are going to ultimately transform businesses. When, when they veer into the dark side, uh, it, it, where you need to be thinking about that is obviously when they become destructive for destruction's sake, or you know, they're, they're disrupting to the point that uh, the rest of the team can't function, you know, but a lot of it is because they're not educated about who the rare breed is and what exactly they need in order to thrive. And that's why we even created the rare breed quiz, which we worked with um, a professor and a psychologist, a psychologist on this, but it's 28 questions. We are now having teams take the quiz um, or individuals can take the quiz as well. And it tells you which of those dominant traits that you have uh, that's most alive probably in your work, but it also tells you what to watch out for. So again, you know, it's, it's, I think it's about self-awareness and knowing which of those, which of those uh, parts of the trait are, are at work within you. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like that old analogy, you know, what, which wolf do you feed? Um, it's very similar to rare breed. It's like, which of those is, is at play? And I think mm-hmm. real true rare breeds know that these traits are at work. They know that one of the traits is at work and they've learned how to leverage it in all the most powerful ways possible. And then in turn, if they're in the right environment and with the right surroundings and they've in the right conditions, they're also at a place where they're able and they're, they, they are allowed to thrive within the walls of the organization uh, that they're a part of. Mm-hmm. It also seems to dovetail really well with what we're seeing in the growing creator economy. You know, there's mm-hmm. such a trend of uh, creators, really creators and communities, really being the future um, right. around the world. That um, that rare breed quality uh, speaks so well to that creative personality as well. 
Um, how should companies harness that quality given the need for continuous innovation that's becoming more and more important? What is like one specific thing that you would advise leaders to think about? I think that what company, what organizations actually need to ask or the better question to really ask is like, what's wrong with the conventional organization Mm -hmm. that they aren't equipped to allow rare breeds to thrive, let alone retain them? Mm-hmm. So all these organizations, they want the creative ninjas, they want the goal crushing, you know, uh, account reps, they want the tech demigods. But what do most employers do? Well, they tell these rare breeds who to who they want them to be. Right? Here's our rules, follow them. Here's our culture, pour our pour your pour yourself into it. And what rare breed is really saying is like, not only by encouraging people to be all of who they are, not just the pretty parts you are able to respect and reward individuality. Mm-hmm. You are also then able to locate when and retain more of that transcendent talent because then word gets out and then you're soon building what everyone else wants to be a part of. The problem is, is that most of these organizations don't know what to do or how to do it. And that's why so much of our work recently has been about going into organizations to sort of educate like, here's what a rare breed is. Here's what they're not. Here's how you identify them on the team. These are the rare breed moves that often your uh, teammates want to create, but you've shot them so full of bullet holes by the time it's got to the top, that it's, it can't be, it can't be realized anymore. You've, you've sucked all the wind out of the sails yeah. uh, for your people. And so organizations need to learn how to better create the conditions to allow these types of people to, to thrive. Uh, you know, they, rare breeds have tells. I mean, they're, they're probably in anyone who has an organization who's listening to the, the hell, you might even think you are one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably identifying with like, oh, that's definitely me. Well, you know, in a, in an organization, they definitely have tells just like in poker, you know, first they they have a knack for making people feel uncomfortable. They're going to push boundaries. They're going to say what others won't. You know, they're going to turn in brilliant work and make other people look bad. You know, uh, the workplace contract sort of says everybody blend in and don't stand out. Well, rare breeds are going to violate that contract, usually because they can't help themselves. They've been there two weeks and they're already telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Our natural tendency though is to go, whoa, like hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Like, you know, this is this is disruptive to the way that we're working. We've always done it this way. Rare breeds hate that. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to stick to industry norms. They don't, you know, they graffiti over pretty walls. They're natural insurrectionists. If something doesn't work, there's going to be a better way to get the job done. They're going to be the first in line to tell you that. And the thing that we have to do is to ask the question, what if we built our cultures and brands around those anti-conformist qualities, most prominent, not only in yourself, but in your team, what world-changing ideas, what innovation could you unleash if you actually unleashed the rare breeds within your team and, and, and organization? Which organization do you think has done that well? Oh, I think uh, a brand that comes to mind right off the bat is Oatly. Mm. You know, they, they've let the lunatics out of the asylum. <laughs> and you can see it, you know, when, with, with the appointing of the, of the new CEO, you know, it was a new rebrand. It was, a, it was bold. It's brash. It's opinionated. You know, it's, it's just living out loud. And most brands, quite frankly, are afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. They don't know 
their former selves. You know, we've been in so many organizations to this point, like uh, Ashley and I have been in thousands of organizations at this point. We've been in some of the most hallowed halls of every company that you can imagine. Um, And what I can tell you is that, you know, we're like a mirror. We, we almost have to go in now to companies and remind them who they are, mm. or if they've, they've, they've gotten to a point where, you know, maybe like that feisty spirit, you know, like has, has sort of dwindled down, you know, or something about all the, the red tape and all of the processes and all of the, uh, you know, the layering, right, of getting things done has made it impossible to really dream and to really do because they can't actually fully realize some of these ideas because they've created so much cannibalism mm-hmm. of their own ideas that it, it you you know these ideas never really see the light of day you know but rare breed companies and organizations they believe six impossible things before breakfast it's not just a quote through the looking glass it's like it's a business plan what if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to IamBeyondBarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. So a a lot of um, women, especially as they rise up in their career, often find themselves to be the only. Yeah. Um, Especially in certain traditional industries, it becomes even more of a challenge and it can often be... Um, more of a struggle to say, can I really keep going further when I see no one else like me? Mm-hmm. Um, the struggle is harder. The challenge of being understood is even harder. Uh, what would guide them to navigate through that? Um, in this case, it may not necessarily be about disruptive thinking and personalities. It's just simply you're the outlier. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is the... It- I want to make sure I understand the question. So is the question like, what can a woman do who wants to break through and shatter yes. those ceilings? Correct. Well, honestly, I think that, I don't know if there's like any way to be half in and half out. Like, I think you either have to lean into it and be all of who you are and, and, and you know, throw that fist up through the ceiling uh, or, you know, you, you're just kind of trepid and you're, you're, you lack courage you know, and I, and I realize that that's bold to say, but, you know, we've, as I said, at the top of this, like we, we've been hired for the same reasons we've been fired. Mm-hmm. And I think you, in order to make any moves, sure, you can practice diplomacy and politics and all of that. But I just think rare breeds like care less about fitting in and being liked and climbing the corporate ladder and avoiding criticism. Um, they care less about that and more about loving who they are and mm. being true to themselves. That's powerful. Yeah. And instead you, of thinking about how do I fit into the dominant culture, which the higher up you go is likely to be older white male. Um, but if you are 
a young Latina that made it through, but now you find yourself the only, uh, mm-hmm. are you going to fit in? Or are you going to lean into more of who you are? Well, look at, you know, uh, AOC. I mean, look, look at, you know, she's, she's caused so much ruckus, <laughs> um, but you know, her name, mm-hmm. you know, who she is. There's no question in your mind who she is yeah. and you either like it or you love, you, 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 you despise it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, you're not going to be for everyone, mm-hmm. but I think in some organizations and circles, there are people who are looking for that Latina. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for that Latina. Bring mm-hmm. her on. Mm-hmm. I'll hire her. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. that's what I'm saying. Like, we have we have to we have to be unafraid of trying to kick those doors down because there are doors and there are many of them. Mm-hmm. And I think in order for us to make any dent in the world, you know, it's like when Rosa Parks didn't give up her seat that day. It was one simple act, and yet it changed the course of history forever. I'm sure there were a lot of other moments that led up to that, right? Her whole life was, there were other parts of her life that are extremely important. But at some point, I think you have to make choices, and those choices have to lead you to the life and career that you want rather than being a shadow of yourself or less than yourself to make other people feel comfortable mm-hmm. in seats of importance. You know, I just, I just think we have to build longer tables in order to hear those voices. And I think it is changing. I see it changing. Sure. I'm, I'm still met with that kind of thinking still today in my own business. I'm out here talking about being a rare breed and helping others lean into that. And yet I'm still I was just on a call recently where I was in a situation that someone, you know, a male said that we needed a, a, a male on our show to legitimize it. And I, and I just couldn't believe that I was like, we're in 2021 and people are still saying this. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just sort of one of those moments where you're like, wow, we, we still have so much work to do. But what I, what I have learned is that even if you are not a rare breed or you are someone who might not have as much bravado or perhaps your mm-hmm. rebelliousness isn't as loud, mm-hmm. what you have to realize that there, there are other rare breeds out there making space for you right now. Mm. So those rare breeds are already trying to kick those doors down. As long as you don't wait for, you know, thousands of others before you take the step forward, right? Like just Mm -hmm. show up and make your presence known however you need to do that. You know, don't, that, that would be my advice. Like don't just sit back with brilliant ideas and hold your tongue because you Mm -hmm. think you're going to get fired. Right. Well, the irony is that in the, when you think about products of what makes a product or even a business different, it's, it's, audacity, its uniqueness is what sets mm-hmm. it apart. And yet as individuals, we're doing the exact opposite of trying to blend in uh, into homogenized, dominant culture or established patterns instead of actually yeah. using our difference mm-hmm. as our differentiator. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. I think that, um, you know, in some ways, what's really interesting, and I've learned this from, from having branded a lot of companies, is in some ways, if you're a product, you almost have to be familiar mm. because you need to be seen. And if they've not seen you before, sometimes it's harder to adopt. 
And yet at the same time, you have to have your own voice and your own sort of way of doing things. And what we have learned at Motto specifically in branding so many companies is that so much of who that brand is or that company is, or is, is not only the DNA of the team of who's surrounding it, but who's leading it. And oftentimes the, the virtue of that leader is also becomes the virtue of the company. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately the people within it buy into that, but they also have their own sort of individuality and, and, and their own sort of way of contributing and lifting that message higher. But ultimately, like you want those diverse thinkers, you want uh, diversity of thought at the table. You, you want to hear people who don't agree with you mm-hmm. because that's how you move the world forward. You know, those bold, audacious ideas, those big dreamers, those reaching beyond your grasp, and also those emotional impacts that you have on the team who like are in a different frequency and feel the room in a different way um, or picking up on things that other people aren't, you know, or even the, the, the sort of the, um, the obsessed tinkerers, you know, that will not let go until they've perfected it or found the answer, figured out that line of code, you know, you want that and you want more of that because it really truly helps to move I think big bold changes in the world forward, you know, and, and the only way you can do that is by either making space for yourself or making space for others. Mm, that's powerful, and it's a very empowering way of looking at yourself and the world. Of um, instead of denying parts of yourself, actually shining a light on exactly what is most likely to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you had a billboard. And with a big message on it to the world, what would yep. it say? Own who you are mm-hmm. in a world that wants to own you. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that could be a t-shirt, right? That, that's right there. <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we have like, you know, we have a show. Um, I think I mentioned this when we were just ch- chatting in the, at the top of the hour, but we had, uh, we had created um, a YouTube show where we sit down with cultural provocateurs and, and celebrities and we talk about how have they wrestled a vice into a virtue mm-hmm. and what black eyes have they received along the way and what continued to help them keep fighting. And our first guest for season two was Tarana Burke from mm-hmm. Me Too. And, you know, Me Too almost didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Me Too had been fighting for a long time and you know, the way Tarana tells it is that she got tired, you know, sometimes fighting for the cause, where's your ass out mm-hmm. and you need a break. You want time. You're just like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this. And, you know, it was the support of other people mm-hmm. who were like, yo, Tarana, you got to like show up, you know, you got to keep doing this. Like, what are you doing? You can't give up now. Sometimes it's other people seeing the rare breed and you. Mm. to remind you who you are. Mm, that's so awesome. sometimes we get strength from others who are rare breeds, and then they continue to remind us who we are so that we can keep fighting for whatever it is that we're, that whatever sermon it is that we're trying to deliver. And uh, I thought that was really fascinating because you think like, you know, even you think about Elon Musk trying to put people on Mars. Well, nobody really cares how many rocket ships he's blowing up in order to get us there. Mm-hmm. All we care is that eventually we'll be able to go to Mars and say that we were able to go to Mars. But this guy's not sleeping, trying to sort of figure this out, right? right. Um, 
And but the sheer that, audacity of that oh. too. And he had pens. I remember years ago going to a conference where they were giving up pens that said "Occupy <laughs> Mars." And in you know, in a different life, <laughs> he was crazy. Like, how crazy is that? We're yeah. legitimizing crazy by yeah. saying "Occupy Mars," and here we are, you know, mm-hmm. getting closer and closer to that. <laughs> Look, one one at one point, you know, planes, trains, and cars were all crazy ideas that could yeah. never be realized. So, you know, we're just really, we believe that it's not about, it's not about how big and grandiose the idea is. It's about, is it crazy enough? Mm-hmm. You know, are the ideas crazy enough to, to change the conversation, to change the energy in the room, to change somebody's perspective on something? Um, that, that's what rare breeds do. I love it. I'm going to be waiting for that t-shirt. Own who you are in a world that wants to own you. I love it. <laughs> Maybe those are coming. You, yeah, those yeah. are coming. I'm placing yeah. order there, right? Okay, cool. I like <laughs> oh, that. Well, maybe that you just gave yeah. me a good idea to to create some uh, some some merch. Cool merch going. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I could I could see like a a cool like sort of hoodie with like audacious, yeah. you know, yeah. right? <laughs> you would rock that rare breed yeah. <laughs> merchandise. That's, I love that's it. what's coming next. I can see yep. it. So it, it a planet that's desperate for rare breeds. We need more of that going. So yeah. Sunny, thank you so much for being on the show. It was yeah. such a fun conversation and a, a powerful perspective. That is exactly what the world needs and what is necessary to build the kind of world we want to live in. So thank, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.